0: 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside.
2: And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Throw me a freaking bone here. I'm the boss. Need the info. All
3: right, welcome back into the House of Mystery. And, of course, I'm Al Warren. And you're not.
2: Of mm. <laughs> that's,
3: right, that's not right. <laughs> uh, Mr. David Rose North Martino Smith <laughs> is... <laughs> <laughs> it's on the other side, you know, I don't know what he's doing over there. I, Just I adding know. names.
2: Holy, holy, don't it?
3: Well, it depends on you. I get more zoning for more names. Well, so here we go. Uh, we've got a, you play one on the radio. That's, uh, that's I didn't use that <laughs> term. Well, anyway, uh, t- today we've got another return. It's return week. Everybody's returning this week. And um, uh, today, so we've got um, Mr. Alan Orloff, and he plays one on TV. So, Welcome, Al. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me back. I uh, had fun last time, and I expect to have fun this time.
3: Well, we'll see what we can do. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what we can pull off here. So, (laughs) what exactly do you play on TV?
1: Well, I don't play anything. No. But my character in uh, my latest book called I Play One on TV, he does. He plays a... um, a crime, uh, uh, murderer, as a young kid, as a teenager, on one of these crime reenactment shows, and I won't spoil the plot, but uh, bad things happen with uh, other characters from that show, and he has to sort of find what the truth is, and uh, while still um, not losing his own life, as it were.
3: Wow! So this is a, this is kind of like a comedy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, it's a thriller, but there are some uh, lighter moments. It's, I, I think it's sort of campy myself, so uh, that's sort of in the back of my head It's kind of how I, I wrote it. Let me tell you how I came up with this idea, because I didn't really come up with the idea myself. Um. I got an email from my agent at the time, and the email said something like, Alan, my wife and I, we watch crime reenactment shows on channels like Investigation Discovery on cable. Wouldn't it be cool if the protagonist was a teenager and he portrayed a murderer as a teenager on one of these shows and somehow the murderer gets out of prison and comes back and hunts this guy down? Which, of course, is a fabulous premise for a book. Mm. Now, what my agent didn't know at the time was that I had a son who was an actor as a teenager. He was an actor. <laughs> he portrayed a murderer as a kid on one of those crime reaction shows on, on Investigation Discovery. Wow! So it was perfect, and the best thing was I didn't have to do any research because I lived through it. So I mean, it was like I couldn't believe it when it was. I mean, such a great premise, and I sort of a uh, little chagrin that I didn't think of it on my own, having it right under my nose for so many years.
3: Yeah, that's crazy, um, but your son never had to do any. Uh, he wasn't being chased by a killer, or anything. not that I
1: know of. No, that's that's where the fiction <laughs> takes over from the reality. Well, how do
3: you how do you know a good idea? But like something like that, is it just 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 instinct or what?
1: You know, you're a writer. Um, most of the writers I know have so many ideas, and they just don't have enough time to write them all out. You know, explore them all. So for me, I, I think of an idea, and I sort of, you know, put it on the back burner. And if it keeps popping up, if I keep thinking about it, or you know, it, it comes comes to the top of my mind, you know, a week later or a month later, and I can't shake that idea, then I know that it's a possible possible one to pursue. A lot of the ideas, you know, they they come and they go, and I. I never think twice about it, but if, a, if an idea sticks with me and I can't get rid of it, then that's the, that's a sign that it could be a keeper.
3: It's the idea more important than the characters.
1: Well, the idea usually has the characters involved. I, I'm talking. I'm not just talking. I'm not just talking plot. I'm talking about the whole, the whole thing. So for me, uh, I can't really separate the plot from the characters too much because. Uh, the characters drive the plot and the plot sort of informs what the characters need to do. So it's sort of, you know, a symbiotic relationship, Um, you know, different, different books have have arrived in different fashions. Well, I wrote, um, pray for the innocent, which you can see over my my left shoulder there. Um, I woke up with that idea fully formed in my head at four o'clock in the morning, which was, I'm telling you, Freaky as all get out, um, but it it, it it stuck with me, and I and I you know jotted down the outline, and I I just put aside what I was working on, and I went with, forward with that, and um, you know it, it it came out great. I was really happy with with what happened. Now every morning I wake up, I'm a little disappointed that I don't have that great idea, but <laughs> small sacrifice. So.
3: Well, where do you think that came from?
1: Where does something like that come from for you? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I, I honestly, it's not like I was thinking about some elements of the idea or anything. It just came to me like this is, a, this is just, I mean, the human mind is just amazing. So.
3: Well, certainly. I don't
1: know.
3: We see it every day. Uh, I, but I just wonder, um, so it just comes to you, and so you get up and you write it down, write, write down all you can remember.
1: And um,
3: it, does that come with characters and everything?
1: That one did. Yeah. Yeah. It came. It was like, it was 99% fully formed. I had, it was just freaky. And it wasn't a dream. It was just sort of, I woke up with the idea. So, hmm. I don't know. I, I try not to ask too many questions about it because. Yeah. I you know, don't want to get sp- snatched away.
3: Yeah. You don't want to spoil it. You know, you know, you're probably just drunk or something hungover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a movie playing in the background and, you know, uh, it's it's sort of crazy. Uh, but so now when you develop a character, um, do you take from people around you?
1: Uh, I think all writers, you know, at least observant ones, take bits, you know, pieces and snatches of various characters, whether it's, you know, a mannerism or a speech, you know, a, a way of certain characters you know, speaks in a certain fashion or maybe how someone looks or, you know, maybe, a, you know, a neurotic trait. So I think most of the characters I write are probably amalgams of people I've met or people I've seen. Uh, I'm a great people watcher, so I, back in the day when you could go to the mall or go out in public, I would just sit there and sort of watch people go by, and I guess it all kind of gets cataloged back in there somewhere. Um,
3: no, i would never been allowed in public, so. I
1: <laughs> probably with good reason. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well I'm wondering uh, when, when you're creating these characters, do you um, well yeah I hear voices when I write <laughs> do, do you have an inner monologue in your head? Uh, do you hear the do you hear the uh, the characters'
1: voices or are you more translating like images and symbols uh, into prose? Well that's a good question i certainly when I'm writing dialogue, I sort of try to put myself into someone's uh, you know another character's Body, so I, I hear hmm. their you know how they would say it and, and their phraseology. I guess I hear voices in that respect hmm. i'm not sure I hear them the same way that you hear them <laughs> yeah. probably
3: a good probably good thing probably a good thing yes yeah yeah, yeah. It's a little dangerous. He starts doing <laughs> weird things, and he said, well, the voice told me to do it mm. you don't need the medication no
1: <laughs> so so I think it was I think it was Jeff Dever who once. Was given a talk mm-hmm. and he said, you know, sometimes my characters uh, here, you know, he said he hears other writers t- tell him that the characters sort of take over and they do what they want to do. And mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff said, you know, if that ever happens to me, I just kill off the character because I'm the one who's in charge. <laughs> so I would like to stay in, stay in charge. Oh, so I, I like kill.
3: that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, it, so so how long does it take you to put together? So this, I play one on TV. Um, so when you got the idea from. Your, your agent, how long did it take you to actually put it down on paper, get it done?
1: Well, I, I you know, have a certain, you know, I've, this is, I've probably written, I've published this, uh, I play one on TV, it was my 10th published book, and I probably have another five or six or seven completed manuscripts. So I've completed, you know, going through the process of, start, you know, coming up with the idea, starting writing, going through, revising everything, 16, 17, 18 times. And I'd like to say that each time it's the same, I use the same process, but it probably changes a little bit from time to time. But typically, uh, if I get an idea, I would take about a week to sort of outline where I think it's going to go. And not not really detailed, but sort of by scene. So, you know, in this scene, Jim and Joan, they're in the coffee shop and they're talking about how to get rid of the body, you know, that kind of at that kind of level. And then I used to, when I first started, I used to take some time and write character sketches for each of the main characters. So, you know, I just went to the internet and I got some um, like a checklist, a questionnaire really. And it would, and I go through an answer. So what was the, what's your character drive? What kind of car do they drive? What's their favorite food? What do they like to do their hobbies? You know, what, do they have brothers and sisters, that kind of thing. And I found that gave me a good sense of who the characters were kind of, you know, so I could then write what motivates them and what how they react to certain situations. I don't do that so much anymore. Once in a while, I'll sketch out some notes. Um, so that I, that takes a week doing the outline and any the character kind of definitions, and then I I decide how long I want to take to write this book. So typically, my books are like eighty thousand words or so. You know, if so if it's three months, that's Whatever that is, twenty-eight thousand, whatever, divided by uh, you know, you divide eighty by three, you get twenty eight thousand, twenty-seven thousand, whatever. Twenty-three thousand what is it? Twenty twenty-six thousand. Anyway, and that's how much I have to write each month, and I'll divide it up by days. So I'll get I'll get a daily quota of words. And that's how I usually write. I write to a, like a daily word quota. So I'll sit down and I'll just look at my outline and I'll just start typing the first scene and then the second scene on. And I don't go back and edit while I'm writing, which a lot of writers do. They go back either from time to time or the, before they start the next writing session, they'll go back and edit the last three or four pages of what they've written the day before, for instance. That's just not how I do it. And so if I change a character's name, like in the ch- in, in chapter four and then again in chapter seven or something, and you were to read my first draft, you would be like, who are these people? And what happened to the main <laughs> character? Because he used to be called, you know, something, and now he's called, you know, Jim. He, used to be, he was John, and now he's Jim, and now he's David, you know, North Martino, whatever. Uh, Rose. So yeah. you're, in my, you're in my next book, David. I haven't met you yet. But ah, you're gonna be in. Yeah. We'll see if you we'll we, we'll get past the first chapter. I yeah, probably won't. Um, so that's, so, so I don't. I don't edit, I just go straight through. So my first draft is a mess, like a total mess. And it, But I know it can take me, say, two months or three months. And usually I, I usually write, you know, 1,200 words a day or 1,500 words a day. So it takes me about that two or three months to get a first draft. And then the work begins because then you got to go back and make it make sense and do the revisions and so on. So uh, I can probably, you know, write a complete book, totally revised, and, in ten months, maybe. I can, you know, if I had a pressing deadline, I can sure I could do it in six. If I'm procrastinating, it might take me twelve months.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I write the same way myself. I go through and then, then go back. Um, but that's not it's very. Easy,
1: right? Don't you find it easier that way, Alan? Because, oh, Yeah. Totally. Because totally. You don't know. You don't know what the book is until you finish it, right? You don't know the, mm-hmm. the whole arc of it.
3: Yeah. I just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it works better for me and, and sometimes I'll finish it and then even be working on something else for a couple of weeks then go back to it and start. You know, um, it's kind of weird. So that's um,
1: that's the way they tell you to do it. You're doing it the right way. So that way um, you can let it sit and sort of mm. come, come at it with fresh eyes. I don't always do that.
3: No, and, and I don't always agree that that's the right way. I think it's just I'm a little insane and I do things the wrong way all the time and I'm surprised that anybody would say that's that anything I do would be right. But, <laughs> you know, do you use what you lived in your previous life like an engineer, you know, the nuclear subs all that sort of thing. Do you do you think that that gets into your writing somehow?
1: I don't generally make it an overt uh I don't try to do it overtly. So I don't think think all right, I'm going to write a book about you know, an engineer who goes back to business school and then he murders all his engineering fellows because he doesn't like engineering. <laughs> I don't do like well, that. Not. I think um, some of the – whenever there's a, maybe a technical issue, like in Pray for the Innocent, for instance, it's, some people have called it a techno-thriller. There's a little bit of – just a little bit of technology and stuff in there. I, it, I find it a little more conversant in that than maybe someone who hasn't gone through engineering school. But I don't. So, so it, at times it does, but it's not something I I've, I have relied on in the past. People have suggested I should do more of that, so maybe I should listen to some of those people. No,
3: don't listen to them. <laughs> no, forget it. No, no, no. No, I was just wondering because sometimes people's um, what they were doing in their day-to-day life sometimes it kind of you know gets in, seeps into, into how they write. Um, but
2: you but well, seen... I,
1: w- I wish yeah. that I, you know, in my real life had been a private investigator or police detective or something like that. Cause then I'd be a, a lot more comfortable uh, writing some of those procedural type things. You know, you know, I, I grew up in the suburbs in a very sheltered life. I don't really have much experience uh, with that kind of stuff. In fact, I took a, a citizen's police Academy to learn about, What they did, you know, at first, I thought I would get more experience uh, with crime. So I I knocked over a (laughs) Uh, 7-Eleven. You won't tell anyone. Instead of doing that. Uh, And that taught me a lot of stuff. But but still, you know, there's some there's some really great writers out there who are from um, law enforcement and they just know their stuff. And I would just be a little intimidated, I guess, really to try to write in, in that arena.
3: Yeah, yeah. I guess a lot of them really know their stuff, their procedure, but that they, they don't have the—I um, don't know how to say—they—they they just don't have the um,
1: experience writing. Yeah.
3: yeah, and the words and the way the, the way of of saying things maybe that don't sound too um, um, too formulated, you know, too mm-hmm. too scripted almost. I don't know, you know. Um, so. When you finish a book like this, do you find that it makes – how do I say this? Do you find that it changes you and you notice it in your next book? Like, do you learn something from each book is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at? Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I learn something from – well, I, I hope I learn something from everything I do. Uh, yeah, you know, I, each book has taught me something, and I, I'm not sure I could point specifically to what each book has taught me, but I'm definitely—I definitely believe that I'm a better writer now than I was when I first started. Um, you know, from a, certainly from a prose level, from an overall composition level, certainly from plotting. Yeah, I mean, I'm just—you know—sometimes I go back and and um, I'm reissuing some of my earlier books because uh, I got the rights back and I put on new covers and so on. So I've had an opportunity to read some of those. You know, doing some proofing and so on, and I can, I can definitely see a difference in um, my writing. It's, it's a lot more, it's a lot tighter now, it's a lot crisper, which is, which is good. I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think that evolution, I think most writers probably go through some sort of evolution like that.
3: Does that make you want to rewrite some of your earlier books?
1: If it wasn't so much effort, I would consider it, but, uh, you know, I've already, I've already plowed those fields and, uh, yeah. you know, so, so that's the question, right? When you're reissuing these books, you're tempted to, uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to rewrite the scene, but then it's like, well, if I rewrite, if I rewrite this scene, I have to rewrite the next scene. And then, so then you're going to rewrite the whole book. And then, you know, the, the, that book, the first book came out, my first book came out in 2010. So it's not like it's a, a long time ago, but it's a long enough time ago that certain things have changed, like like cell phones. They had cell phones ten years ago. I would I went back and and I noticed that every time I said it, I would say cell phone. Now people just say phone. You drop most people have dropped the cell. I don't know about everybody, but. So that's one instance with that with that book that I went through, and I, I did a universal check on cell, and I deleted all the cells. So that was my sort of my one concession to modernizing the, the 10-year-old stuff. But some of the references, you know, pop, the pop culture references, certainly dated as being 10 years ago. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to put my stake in the ground and say this book was published in, t- in 2010, and... Yes, there were still some phone booths around back
2: then. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, um, do you, uh, you you've written you've written a good amount of short fiction? Um, do you prefer to write uh, uh, short fiction, long fiction? Do you, do you have a preference? Uh, do you consider yourself a, a natural short fiction writer uh, or natural novelist? All things uh, being equal. Yeah, no, that's
1: that, that's a I like that question. Um, when I started writing fiction, which I was a numbers guy all along, I just started writing fiction, well, it's been 15 years ago now, so it wasn't, I mean, it was, I, I just, you know, just, just yesterday I started writing fiction, now 15 <laughs> years ago, but for, for most of my life, I didn't even consider writing fiction, so when I decided to write, I thought I would be a novelist, so the first, man, I must have written five or six or seven manuscripts and had a couple published before the notion of writing short, short story even occurred to me. And I was looking around and and one of the great things about the mystery writing community, the crime fiction writing community is how uh, generous and how welcoming and how warm all the other writers are. It's like, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And a lot of my friends were writing short fiction and um, I always kind of wondered what the attraction to that was. And then, so I thought, you know, what, what's the deal? Like, well, you can get quick feedback, right? You don't mm. have to wait. Yep. First of all, it doesn't take you, you know, a, 10 months to a year to write a short story. You can write a short story in a couple of weeks or less. Absolutely. And you, then you submit it and you get feedback sometimes in a, in a week, depending on the market you're sending it to, or certainly... Mm within certainly, certainly much faster than when you start submitting to agents and then to editors, like incredibly. so. And there are a lot more markets. And, and what I found is you can be a lot more experimental. Like in my long fiction, mm-hmm. in my novels, I wouldn't really consider writing um, a protagonist that is unlikable because uh-huh. it takes 10 months or whatever to write this. And I don't want to be you know, I don't want to be a down. I don't want to be down for 10 months, right? This guy as a jerk. and know what can. Be. I want to write someone who's, you know, up the thing or has got some good qualities and there's a, you know, a hero. And, but in the short fiction, I can spend two or three weeks writing from the viewpoint of a jerk off. It's not a problem for me. <laughs> so a lot of my short fiction um, is, is noir. It's darker. Um, it, the protagonists are bad guys, which is kind of fun to write every so often, and I enjoy it immensely now. And um, you know, I, I've been lucky; I've had some good success writing short stories. You know, and, and um, you know, many of the maybe the majority of the stories I've written have found home somewhere. And um, it's nice to it keeps your name out there between books, <laughs> and. You know, if, if you're lucky, you can get a, an award nomination or something, which is kind of icing on the cake. And you, you reach, um, you can reach different uh, subsets of readers, like di- different people who read short stories, who will read novels and vice versa. And so I think it's great. I'm, I'm loving writing short stories.
3: I, gu- I guess I won't be, I'll just be in your short stories. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be in a long story.
1: You could be the victim.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, so, I've been a victim for sixty years now. Come on, like what? What comes up next for you?
1: Well, you know, I've always got some. You know, publishing, as you know, is it's a it's a it's a crazy business, and there are tremendously long lead times. So, as as nice as it is as it is to get a short story with the short lead times, sort of the opposite is true when you when you're writing a novel. So at any one time, I might have a novel that I'm working on. I might have a novel that I'm revising to get ready for publication. Or I might have a novel that's being on submission. And I might have a, you know, so all throughout. So I have, I have a novel that's on submission. I have a novel that's done that I haven't, we haven't decided what to do with. I've got um, a proposal for a novel that's ready to go. And I've got some short stories I've got ideas for. So a lot of stuff's going on at at the very moment, I'm, I just-
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news?
1: Turned in a, a novella that I think we will be seeing next year. It's part of the Guns and Tacos series, which is, hmm. is edited by a guy named Michael Bracken and, and, and a co-editor Trey Barker. And um, it's got a it's got a cool premise. It's they're novellas and they publish, um, you know, I think I think it's six six a year, with, under the same series. And it's they all they all begin with uh, a scene where a guy is at a, a guy or the a, a character is at a taco truck ordering. Um, it's a taco truck that that um, you buy weapons at, not tacos. Ah. Uh, and that's how it, in Chicago, and that's how it all all these kick off, and then from there they go in different different ways, different subgenres, you know, sci-fi or horror-ish. Or Thriller or Caper or, or Heist or Noir or whatever. So it's kind of a cool cool series. So I so I just finished that and I just turned that in. So I'm just sort of taking a little time off at the moment.
2: Cool. Is, is there I'm just wondering you're writing Thriller and Mystery, Noir, are there any other genres that you're interested in, in trying your
1: hand at or Yes, in fact in, fact. in fact. And David I I you might be interested in this. I wrote a horror novel. Oh. And you know, I think it's it's my it's my probably my favorite book that I wrote. I mean, it came closest to my to the vision. You know how you, you have a vision when before you begin and then you start mm-hmm. writing and it veers off the vision a little bit sometimes. And I consider a book to be a success if I can get really close to my vision or exceed my vision. And I think this horror novel kind of even exceeded what I what I had envisioned when I started started to write it. So I I, lo- I really like horror. So, um,
2: well, I think there's a real connection between crime and horror.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So in fact, one of my one of my manuscripts that's sitting on my hard drive is sort of a horror thriller uh, that, that hopefully will find a home sometime, somewhere, someplace. But um, but the one I wrote it's called The Taste. Hmm. I um. That was so much fun to write. It was
3: great. Do you actually act out the scenes? Do you, do you put I, your, I don't <laughs> act
1: the scenes out. I don't think that would be a good idea for that particular, particular novel.
3: Well, do you like to put yourself in a place of something you're writing about? Like if you're writing about a certain town or city, something's going on and some sort of, uh, you know, fiction story, do you need to be in that area to absorb the city like some people do?
1: I don't. I generally, however, write about places that I'm pretty familiar with. So, you know, a lot of my books take place in northern Virginia, where Mm -hmm. I live for most of my life. Um, You know, places I go on vacation, sometimes I'll have, I'll set scenes in like Las Vegas, or my son lives in L.A., so sometimes I'll have an L.A. uh, scene. So I'm not, I'm not bold enough to write about a place that I haven't at least been to. Although now with, with Google and Google Earth and, um, you know, it's, you could probably get away, with, get away with doing a pretty good job just that way. But, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said, as, as you're suggesting, to being there. It's just kind of absorbing. You don't really know what you're missing until you until – you, I mean, what's there until you go there. There will be a certain uh, – like certain aroma at a certain – like in Italy – one of the famous, like Trevi Fountain or something, there might be a certain aroma there that, that like the bushes, or smell like something that you would really only know if you it. So, mm-hmm. so I think I'm going to go to Italy next. Thanks for that for idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a good write off. Idea. Yeah, yeah, good right off. <laughs> yeah, good idea.
2: Well, after uh, you were just talking about going on a break, you know, taking a little bit of a break, um, after. You write something. Do you have a way to decompress or a way to recharge? Is, is there something that you do? Do you typically just go right into the next story? How, how does that work for you?
1: You know, I'm a I'm a pretty chill guy, so I don't really mm-hmm. get that stressed out. You know, after writing, it's like okay, well, you know, I'll just just live, keep going as normal. Usually, there's a break between. You know, I catch my breath, kind of thing before I start on something else. But you know, if I've got a deadline or something, I'll just Plow ahead. So, sorry, I know you wanted some answers. Uh, <laughs> run naked okay. at midnight, screaming. So. Yeah, no, that's yeah. just not me. So. No, you just do that for fun.
3: And <laughs> <laughs> right? That's in the middle. That's in the middle of my book when I'm yeah. having some
1: plotting issues. Yeah. that's when I go naked, running through the streets.
3: <laughs> there, there you go. I like See, fun. now we're getting into the real stuff. <laughs> like, let's get into the real. <laughs> like none of this yeah. fake stuff. You know, fake news. Uh, um, you know, it's it, who, do, who do you want to work with? Or do you? You
1: mean like co-write something?
3: Yeah. Or
1: run naked no, I, with oh I, so, <laughs> I think it would be so much fun to co-write, if, if not a book, at least some stories with some of my friends. And every time I approach them, they kind of give me the – Oh, oh yeah well, Alan, that, that's a, that's a good idea look I'm, I'm real busy now you know talk to me in a few months and, I, and they always say that and I'm not sure what that means exactly <laughs> no. Uh, no but it, it would be very it would be very cool to do some co-writing um, and mostly with my friends you know I can't uh, I got some some friends that are that are, are good writers and, and it would be kind of fun to you know maybe do an alternate viewpoint kind of story where we each take a character and kind of wind it together. I don't know. I don't know. Something. That'd hmm. be fun.
3: Yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a, a different way of, of doing something. I would I would imagine it would be tough to to decide on how a character's gonna act when you have two people trying to decide.
1: Um yeah. Yeah.
3: Unless you're exactly on the same page, you know what I mean? You,
1: you, you, because yeah although you know a lot of a lot of people um, do it and then they say uh, it's not as hard as you might think so i don't know whether i don't know it be it be fun to try i'm all, i'm game for anything and if, if james patterson wants to um, co-write with me uh, that exactly. uh, that'd be fine
3: well I'll give him a call
2: How's <laughs> has my speed dial.
1: <laughs> have you uh,
2: read anything or do you have any influences that might be surprising to fans.
1: I don't know about surprising, but as I mentioned, I, I like I like horror. And as a kid, I was I you know as a teenager in English class, I was never really drawn to the so-called classics, mm. James Joyce and William Faulkner and some of those guys that are supposedly are, wrote some stuff. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> I did whatever I could to avoid reading those things. You know, I was mm, I was me too. Uh, notes. But, in, but I was a big reader, and I, I used to read a lot of Stephen King and Dean mm-hmm. Koontz and a lot of sci-fi, so Robert Heinlein and Isaac Asimov mm-hmm. and Frederick Pohl and, and a lot of those, you know, some of those guys. And I think that they have influenced my writing, even these many years, even in a different genre, even many years later. And it's not to say that, you know Robert B. Parker, he was a big influence. Mm. You know, I read Agatha Christie uh, again as a, as, you know, in the younger days. And I think, you know, a lot of these, I mean, I think you'll, like, like when you write it, every time you write a book, you learn something. I think every time I read something, it, if it's good, I learn the good things to do. And if it's bad, I learn the things that maybe I should avoid. So I think, mm. you know, anytime you pick up a book or a story or whatever, you can learn something from it. And, um, you know, my, my TBR pile is just huge. <laughs> and there are just so many great writers out there writing not only crime fiction, but, but other stuff. And, you know, I could read from, from when I wake up in the morning till I go to bed at night. I would hardly make a dent in my pile.
3: I know the feeling, yeah. Well, and who is the Stephen King guy? Yeah. <laughs> Never heard was of a, him. He's, he's an
1: obscure writer. <laughs> uh, you, you might know him as Joe Hill's father. <laughs> exactly.
3: I'll have to look for that. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, But you know, you're supposed to say the hosts are, are the best that you've been. <laughs> you, my
1: hosts, are the best podcasters. I can't think of any better podcasters. <laughs> yeah. How's that was that. Well,
3: way. you know.
1: I don't. I, I don't know.
3: What do you think of the publishing world right now?
1: Wow, you know, that put me on the spot. <laughs> That's about what I think of it. No, you know, it's so it's it's. it's um, I only have you know my little view, my little peephole into the world. So it's hard for me to say what the publishing you know world in, in broad looks like. I think the pandemic has. Um, Kind of thrown people. I don't want to say for a loop, but I think it's affected yeah. people, uh, their productivity. And I'm speaking of in sort of the general terms of writers and maybe agents and editors. It's sort of put a damper on things. Uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my friends who write, they've had trouble putting the words on the on the paper, so to speak. Uh, you know, their creativity might be a little bit down. And I've at times found similar things so you know the immediate you know the past year and a half i think have been, have, been, have been hard for a lot of a lot of people in the business mm-hmm. and you know we're still seeing effects there's, there's paper shortages so books some of the books are getting delayed you know the release dates are getting delayed and although a lot of the editors and so on were working from home through the pandemic i'm not sure how understandably how efficient they have been so there's there's a lot of backlogs and meeting submissions, I think. So it's just been been slow. The last year and a half, I think, have, have been slow. And and a lot of the writing conferences have been canceled. So um, I think that's also kind of put a damper on things. You know, it's, it's I mean, Zoom has a, it's great for what it is, but it's not it's not really a, a full substitute for being at the bar, meeting your friends, mm-hmm. you know, networking with new writers and people in the industry, learning what new projects are out there, and so on. So uh, from an energy level, I think the energy in the, in, the energy in the publishing world over the last year and a half has been diminished.
3: So do you think that's primarily the pandemic or the emotions going on in the
1: country that causes that? Well, you know, I don't want to get political, but there's been a lot no. of divisiveness, and I think that also has contributed to. Uh, I mean, I, that's probably also a contributing factor. So, yeah, in the last X number of years, from a, a Zeitgeist, 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 yeah. maybe things have been a little bit a little bit down. Maybe that's yeah. a good that's a good observation.
3: Do you do you think that? Um, See, but it seems to me like you're the type of guy that, um, so you actually plan your day, right? So you have a a time period where you're going to write. Well, it's 5.40. It's time
1: for my (laughs) pre-dinner cocktail. Sorry.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And your cigar. Um, Um, Go ahead. Well, I mean, it it seems to me like you um, put time aside every day to do a certain amount of writing, and you can sit there and do it, and it's effective for you that correct?
1: When I'm when I'm working on a project, that's correct. So,
3: yes. so, so you, you can, in essence, you can just turn it on, so to speak.
1: Well, you know, I mean, I, I try. Now, every time I sit down, sometimes the words are just horrible. In fact, I'll say to my wife, I just finished my quota and those are the worst 1,200 words I've ever written. And she'll say, well, you said that yesterday and the day before and the day before. I'm like, well, today I really mean it. <laughs> um, so that means you're getting uh, worse per day so I mean people, <laughs> guys, I mean people say oh you know you have writer, writer's block or I'm waiting for the news before I can sit down and get my words done well there's no plumber's block if you call a plumber it's not like well I'm just not feeling it today Alan I'll come clog <laughs> your toilet tomorrow how's that work for you <laughs> so I try to approach writing again when I'm in the, in the project mode as sort of a as a job and Sometimes I don't I mean I don't want to go to work some days so I sit down and I type my 1200 words and if I get to word 1200 and I'm in the middle of a sentence and I am not feeling it I'll get up right in the middle of the sentence and say I'm off to do something else that's how it that's how it works. Um, but but I but I you know I I I think it helps when my expectations of when I write a first draft I don't have any. I know it's going to be crappy. So I just sit down and write my words, and I get up. I don't. Have, I'm not, I don't agonize it they're too crappy. I just know they're going to be crappy, and I'll deal with it later.
3: Oh, exactly. It's like me. I just know <laughs> that it's going to be crappy even when it gets published. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that's not now. No, I don't even
3: think about it. I I run, um, but 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 in your in your situation, see, because I can't quite do it that way. I can't just go well. I've got three hours clear today, and I've got to do so many words. Um, that never works for me, ever. So um, I wonder if you're I, – I wonder if you can um, just – I don't know how to say this. Are you, are you more in touch with your emotions <laughs> um, or what? Like I, I'm just trying to – I'm trying to picture that type of writing. Or you just kind of do it, and, and then at the end of the end of the draft, you kind of go through it and get rid of the ones that don't work?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I am not kidding that it's crappy. I mean, it is really bad. Now, I will say that I am extremely fortunate that I have a wife who has supported the family for all these many years, so I have not been pressed into making having the pressure of having a day job at times and so on. So I have the time to spend on my writing. And I know most people probably are not as fortunate as I am in that respect. So, um, you know, if I can, if I say I sit down for two and a half hours and, and write my 1500 words, I realize that m- many people can't don't have two and a half hours to do that. So, you know, it, it takes me, it could take me a lot less time to write it than someone who's got a, a day job and uh, young kids at home and so on. So I, I, um, I fully realize that I'm unfortunate, but I just, you know, it's one of those things where I know that when I get my quota done, I can go up, I can get up and do something I, I enjoy. So, I'll, you know, I can go exercise or I can, you know, read one of those many books I have lying around that I want to read or I can um, go play so golf running for or, pizza, uh, make it or, or, or yeah, go, go get something <laughs> eat, or whatever. So have a cocktail. Have a cocktail. Actually, I don't, I, don't, I don't imbibe. I'm not a much of a drinker. But, um, no, really, really. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, I just, you know, and you get in the habit. It's sort of like you get in the habit, and, and I know it's going to take me a couple hours. And every once in a while, every once in a while, you write that great sentence. And you're like, yes, yes, that's why I'm sitting here for two hours, for that one sentence. Um,
3: what do you think your most important book is?
1: My important, most important book? Yeah, that you've written. I try to write for entertainment. So I've taken a lot of pressure off myself by not having to write something that is, that I feel is important or has a, you know, some kind of social message. I don't set out to write those kind of books. Now, what I do find is that once I've, I'm into the book, you know, 60, 80,000 words, whatever, certain themes arise. So there are social themes in my work. And then in the revision process, I sort of try to fine tune them and bring them out a little more. So, um, but, but I want to emphasize that I, I'm writing to give people an escape to, you know, if I happen to give them something to think about, uh, you know, it's a little more than a little more uh, something more to chew on than just a plot and, and some fun, some fun characters. That's great. But I don't really set out to write one of the write a message book. I, I don't think I have the chops to do that. I know a lot of writers do and they do a great job, um, but I'm not really. It's just not it's not in my wheelhouse, I don't think. So, so I, you, have you know, to pray no for the them innocent, them. pray for the innocent yeah. answer your question, though. Pray for the Innocent sort of takes a look at um, technology run amok a little bit. So I think there's sort of that theme that runs through it that I thought was pretty interesting. Some of my other books, a couple of my other books have dealt with father-son relationships that um, I thought were interesting to explore. Uh, I Know Where You Sleep deals with, um, with a, uh, there's a stalker involved. So that's a little more concrete where um, it deals with sort of what a victim of a stalking uh, episode might feel and and go through in the the despair and the depths of uh, what she might try to to extricate herself from that situation. So, um, like I said, I don't start out with a message book, uh, you know, exactly, but there's something in probably most of my books where it'll make you think a little more.
3: You know, and I've been waiting for a year. You said you know where I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for some stalking going on here, and I don't get it.
1: One of these days, Alan. One of these days, when you least <laughs> it.
3: Oh, that's good. I like it that way. Um, wow. I mean, that's it's just so. Now, um, speaking of stalking, how do you like people to stalk you? Like, you have a uh, an well, address, phone number you want to get on, out or? on
1: Facebook. <laughs> I'm stalkable on Twitter. (laughs) I do Instagram a little bit, but I'm not real um, photograph-oriented. I'm more word-oriented. So I'm still kind of learning Instagram a little bit. And I have a website, of course, uh, alanorloff.com. You can stalk me there. And you can send me an email. I'm always looking for ways to procrastinate. So send me an email with, like, you know, 20 or 30 detailed questions I have to answer. Beautiful. I'm good for the morning. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, now we know how to do it. Did, did, did the pandemic make you write darker? Did you, did you find that you got a little bit deeper and darker in your writing? or
1: You know, after I wrote The Taste, which was seven or eight years ago or nine years ago, where it, it's cannibalism is involved, I'm not sure I could get any darker than that, so... No, I I don't. I don't think it's affected the the timber of what I've been writing. A a lot of people, a lot of people it has. Absolutely. But but I was you know, I I, we were moving. We sold our house in January of I mean, in December of no, 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 we we moved out of our house in January of 2020. And our Mm -hmm. plan was to move to Florida, where I, I now live. Uh, and and stay in Airbnbs or whatever for a couple of months while we found a house. Well, we, we put that plan into action and kind of right in the middle of it all was the pandemic, the shutdown. So we ended up having to live in a hotel for a month. And I do wow. not recommend living in a hotel for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, cramped up in a little room—that's enough to make you make you everything go dark. But luckily, here in Florida, we could s- s- go outside. Like if we'd been in Virginia during the pandemic shutdown and everything, we would be you know stuck in the house. But here, you know, the weather's great, and and so that that all was good. So we moved into our new neighborhood, and because again, because of the pandemic, we didn't really meet our neighbors except for, like, 30 feet away, right, with, you know, a mask. So I have, you know, I moved down here. I didn't have a doctor, so I, I went to the doctor. I don't know what my internist looks like. Well. I don't know. He's every the two times I've seen him. He's, he's <laughs> masked. I don't know what he looks like. How weird is that to have a doctor, you know, your your primary care physician, you know what he looks like? He's probably not a real so. doctor,
3: <laughs> you know, he's telling you to take that, uh what that horsey wormer then you know he's
1: not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, stay away from that,, <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh and uh good to hear what's going on in your world, yeah, uh, I mean, geez, you're a real real good writer, people love you, so
1: well thank you, Alan. again, um thanks for having me back, and I would have to say that this time was. Equally, if not more fun than, than last time. So.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> it must have been David. David, you know.
1: <laughs> so I, don't, I was gonna. I was gonna say David made things better, but John is a good friend of mine.
3: Yeah. So you better not say that.
1: I don't want to no, say it. No. So I say it's at least, is at least as much fun.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Thank you. There you go. See, yeah. I'm telling. You, he's a star. He's a uh, star. Oh yeah. Well, Well, anyway, our guest has been the great Alan Orloff. And, uh, of course, the book Uh, is called I Play One on TV. And he does.
1: So uh, thank you for being here. Thanks again for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Alan.
2: Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews.